All right. Well, hey, everybody, and uh, happy Father's Day again to those dads out there, and uh, welcome to CVC to everyone else. Zach, thank you so much for sharing. That was amazing. Uh, appreciate you. Appreciate everyone coming out today uh, for Father's Day uh, a celebration as we celebrate God and what he's been doing. Um, you know, this week has been really a fun week for me. I'm a proud father on, um, what day is it, Monday, my daughter graduated from high school, which is really exciting, 12 years of, uh, of schooling, whatever they call it, plus all the other pre-K and graduating five times from, from preschool. I, that, that's a thing, I think, these days. I don't know why, but uh, my son also is celebrating his 11th birthday today, Isaac, and I know that a lot of you have some June birthdays out there, so happy birthday to all the June folks. Um, so that, that's exciting. So I wish I could the same all, but I don't want to forget anyone. But um, I actually caught a picture of my son celebrating. Uh, it was a fun, fun picture of him celebrating my, my daughter's graduation at Villanova. Let's see if we can pull up that, uh, that picture there. Hit forward for me, will you? There he is. I uh, in the stand. So it's pretty exciting to watch him. He was really, you know, enthused. He was really into it, as you can see. So I love that. But just like the rest of everybody, I mean, you know, 300 people later, you're like, okay. But no, it's great. It was, it was a fun time um, to be together and <laughs> celebrate their graduation. So you can flip ahead. Uh, it looks like, uh, guys, my uh, clicker's not really working, so I might need some help. Maybe you can help me out. So um, today almost happens to be Juneteenth. I don't know if you've heard of Juneteenth, short for June 19th. And it happens on June 19th. And uh, Juneteenth recently became a national holiday, which commemorates the uh, emancipation of slaves. Jesus loves freeing slaves. He's into this kind of thing. So this, this is great. Um, when it goes back, really, um, to the Emancipation Proclamation, which Abraham Lincoln, uh, during that time of the Civil War, when we were in a time of turmoil as a nation, we set the slaves free. Uh, but it wasn't until 1865, actually three years later, that uh, some troops traveled to um, Galveston, Texas on June 19th to proclaim, hey guys, you're actually free. It took years, three years for the news to travel and said, you're free. And so that day became known as Freedom Day. And it wasn't until just re in recent American history that it became a national holiday. So today's also a fun day to celebrate uh, Juneteenth and the emancipation of slaves. So lots, lots of good things happening. Um, we are also continuing our series, next slide please, uh, called Naturally Supernatural, uh, cultivating the gifts of the Spirit coming off of Pentecost Sunday, which is 50 days after Easter. And what we're doing is we're not only talking about the gifts of the Spirit, but we're putting them into practice. So we want to create an environment here, a safe environment where we can learn, explore, and grow in these gifts the Holy Spirit releases to the church and has been. And last week, um, Sloan Damranoff, Sloan, if you're in here, but she did a fantastic job not only teaching us about the gift of prophecy and modeling for that. I've seen that in her life so consistently. What a blessing it's been through her in that way. But also giving some space for us to practice that, to encourage one another, to listen to what God's saying, and to encourage one another with that, with that gift. So uh, that's where we're picking up. We're picking up uh, in week three or four here. Um, of, of spiritual gifts. Now, the reason why we don't just talk about things, I don't want to just come up here and talk, the point is not talking, but really the point is to put it into practice. So if you could go on to the next slide for me, please. Um, 1 Corinthians 4.20, which is the uh, book that we're focusing on, the letter that Paul wrote. This is what Paul says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, 
but of power. It would be completely pointless for just us to talk about things that God wants to do in our lives, but never to actually put it into practice. See, God wants to release His power in us and through us, and He wants to do that today. He wants to do that every day in our lives, and so we want to give you opportunities as a church to put those things into practice, and I want to give you something that you can be praying about this week uh, as we close our service for today, or as we, as we move to a point of application in faith. So let me ask you something. If we're talking today, you can go on to the next slide uh, there. We want to talk about the gift of faith today, the gift of faith. Here's, here's the question I want you to think about as you sit and reflect on God's Word. What is something in your life, perhaps a big struggle or a dream that's unrealized, whatever it might be, what's something in your life that you need a supernatural gift of faith for? What is, that, what is one thing that you, you need faith in order to do or to continue or to persevere in? Now, the reason why the gift of faith is so important is because it's so easy to lose faith. It's so easy to not have faith and believe in what God's doing because there's so much wrong with the world. There's so many times in our lives that our dreams are broken, things seem completely hopeless, and we have, we have no way forward. And all that we have uh, is our faith in God to carry us through. For example, we're maybe struggling with some kind of sickness or illness, or there's people in your family that are suffering from some kind of chronic disease, or your children as a father, uh, as we celebrate Father's Day. Your children do things that continue to hurt themselves uh, despite your, your continued prayers or efforts to help, help them in any way. You know, I, I've encountered many instances like this, not only in our own church, with people I've talked to just over the past couple of weeks. You know, for my, for in my life, uh, my wife, Jess, uh, she has a tremendous gift of faith, and that comes into play in my life when I'm feeling discouraged, either about something happening in our family with one of our kids, or even with a church, something that's, that's bothering me. God has used her gift of faith, and I've borrowed that faith from her. And that's part of how the gift of, oper uh, of faith operates, is someone has faith to lend to you in order to help you continue on and to persevere into what God has for you or whatever the challenges that you're, you're facing. You know, other times I've experienced the gift of faith quite consistently, not just from my wife, but from other people in the body of Christ. Um, so when Jess Mel, for instance, the Zach Bear story, where she would offer that, that sense of, hey, I'm praying for you, or a prophetic word uh, that she would give, or someone else in the church, that offers you a gift of faith, a boost of faith in the moment in order to help you persevere and to feel encouraged and to keep going in what God's, what God's doing in your life. You know, um, I, I had one experience, my first experience of the tangible, uh, supernatural power, the gift of faith at work. It was in my maybe second or third time I went to a vineyard church. This was 20 years ago. And my friend Kristen had sprained a wrist. She was goofing around on some monkey bars uh, at her friend's house. So she was monkeying around, whatever, and she sprained her wrist. She couldn't move it. She had just received prayer, and she was studying the, the gospel of Mark where Jesus was healing people. And she said, well, I know that they pray for healing at this church, so I'm going to go to this church service and see if this actually works. So she went to the service. One of the people in the prayer ministry team, like we have afterward, they prayed for her wrist, and she was able to move her wrist up and down, where she wasn't able to do before, immediately after the prayer. And she was telling me this, and I was astounded. I was like, wow, like I knew this stuff could actually work. I was, I was so enthused. And, you know, and she looked at me in the eye, and she said, God's power is in you. And I thought to myself in that moment, I was like, God's power is in me. 
And I prayed, and I said, as quick as I had the faith for like the three fleeting seconds, I prayed for her wrist real quick. And she said that right after I prayed, she felt like some energy surge her wrist, and then she could move her wrist in the other direction. So now she had, I don't know if it was full mobility, but the mobility that she had not had up until that moment. And I was, again, I was floored. I was completely astounded. But there was a gift of faith in her that she imparted to me that then I used God, the Holy Spirit inspired a gift of healing that then blessed her. So it was this incredible uh, mix, and it was inspired by, I think, the pastor who might have been speaking about the gospel of Mark at the time, who was our previous pastor. So you can see all the gifts working together. And to me, that was my introduction into this gift of faith, which is so valuable. But a lot of times, the gift of faith operates even when we don't, un- don't know or understand that it's, that's an operation. It's so important. In fact, the gift of faith empowers all the other spiritual gifts of the Spirit, and it is vital for our life with God in our life with one another. And that's one of the reasons I get really excited to come to church every week is because you never know what God's going to do. He's present, he's real, and he's active. And it builds faith to see God at work in us. So before we jump right in, oh, let's, uh, let's, let's pray and ask God for his help. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence among us. Father, thank you for your love for us. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Holy God, we're here to worship you, to grow deeper in our, in our relationship with you. And I ask in your name that you would release the gift of faith in our hearts and in our minds right now. As we look at what your word says about the gift of faith, we pray that it wouldn't just remain words on a page or on a screen, that your word would come to life in each of our hearts, and you would meet every single person, myself included, right where we are, and give us the faith that you desire for us to have. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. So let's, there we go. Next slide, you're, you're on top of it. So the, the gift of faith is explicitly, explicitly listed in that list of spiritual gifts that we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we studied a couple weeks ago. So he lists several ones. He goes on to list more here. Um, but the word that's used for the Greek word is pistis, uh, which means faith. And it means what you might expect it to. It means to believe in something. It, it, it's, it's used consistently in other parts of Scripture. In fact, uh, the Apostle Paul uses this word in another, the next in the next chapter that you might be familiar with, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So if you could flip to the next slide, please. Uh, in this, so this word, faith, is moved when, in that famous passage, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, it's often read at weddings. But it says, if I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, then I am nothing. That's that same word that he's using uh, there. And interesting note, it doesn't say, Paul doesn't say, Without, faith, without love, I can do nothing. He says, without love, I, I am nothing. And there's a, a, that's an important distinction because the, the gift of faith, is, it's a gift of the Spirit. It's a free gift that God gives. But love is a fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is about who you are. It's about your character. It's about your Christ-likeness. The gifts of the Spirit are about what you can do by the power of the Spirit. So interestingly enough, what this means, apparently, is that you can be a very gifted person. You can have tremendous faith. You can do powerful things. You can move mountains out of the way, and yet you can still be a jerk. Okay, so there's a warning there. You might see people who are mighty, 
gifted doing incredible things, maybe the people on TV, maybe the people that you know you might envy. You can do those incredible things in the power and the might of God, yet still not be a loving person, not be Christ-like in the way that you do it. But of course, what is God looking for? He's looking for the the one-two punch combo. Jesus himself manifested both. He was full of the fruit of the Spirit and fully utilized the gifts of the Spirit in one package. And when the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit are working in full operation, that is the kingdom of God coming to earth. This is what Jesus modeled, what he taught, and what he desires for each of us. And he wants to release in us the gift of faith, the gifts of the Spirit in his character and in his love. So some of you may have heard and may have been turned off. And I know some of you, I've been in conversations with with folks, um, yes, in our church, but outside the church, who have done away with church because they see church people doing unchrist-like things. And these are popular, powerful, influential church people. I'm not going to say the specific names, but even over the past year or so, there's been several renowned ministries, ministries that you and I would probably respect, whose leaders have fallen uh, fallen aside and, and done things that are, just to put it um, mildly, very unchristlike. And that is because the fruits of the Spirit and the gift of the Spirit are two different things. And what Jesus is looking for is for us to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but do so full of love. So we're not going to go into 1 Corinthians 13, but it's an important note um, to, as, as we talk about uh, this, this whole package. Now, some of you may remember, if some of you OG uh, CVC people, we had a guy named Carl Tuttle come to speak to us. And I, you might not have known how big of a deal with this was, but this guy was world famous, uh, who, who came to speak at CVC and our, you know, however many, 70 or 80 people were sitting there at the time. But Carl Tuttle uh, was, took over for John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard Movement and Influential Worldwide. Anyway, he came and spoke at our church about being a father figure in the Vineyard Movement. And one of his lessons as a church father, and to us, as, as we receive the blessings of our forefathers, is this lesson of importance of understanding, of the understanding of God's love for us and operating in a place of Christ-likeness and rest and all these things we talk about, abiding in Christ. The, the utmost importance of that being our number one priority when we operate in powerful gifts of the Spirit. And if you go to the next um, slide there, there he is. There's Carl, if you remember him. He wrote a book, which is available at Amazon.com for whatever price. I don't know what it is. But he wrote this book, Reckless Mercy, and I would fully recommend that book to you as a, um, if you want to learn a little bit more, uh, that, that slide has an automatic fade. It's, it's supposed to do that. Uh, I don't know how, how long you want Carl smiling at you or not, but at least he's got a great smile, but, you know, just let it, let, it, let it go. But anyway, I recommend that book. Carl, tremendous ministry, long story short, super powerful. There he is again. He just keeps coming back. What's going on there? But, <laughs> but just like God's love, he just keeps coming back. His mercy just keeps flowing again and again and again. Thank you, Jesus, for the message through, through Carl Tuttle. Okay, we get the point. <laughs> but here's, here's, the, here's the thing. You know, isn't it interesting that faith, inter- the interesting is that faith in and of itself is a gift. I always thought of faith maybe as something that's like um, a choice you make or something you just had to build up yourself or earn in some ways. But the fact that faith in and of itself 
is a gift. It's something that God gives you. So the fact that you can believe in Jesus is something that God gives you unearned. And if you remember, there's a story. Jesus was asking his disciples. He said, he said to them, hey guys, who do you think I am? And he looked at Peter. Peter, who do you think I am? And he said, Peter says, you are the son of God. You're the Messiah. And you know what Jesus said to him? He didn't say, you know what? Finally, someone gets how the scriptures connect. They understand how the Pentateuch and the biblical meta-narrative obviously points to who I am and all these subtle details. Finally, someone gets it. And all your stu- hard work and studying has paid off. Peter, well done. A plus for you. No, he didn't say that. What he said was, you know what? Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but that was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. It was a gift, the gift of revelation, the gift of faith was a gift to Peter, and it is a gift to each and every one of us. So if you have great faith, or you ever step out in great faith and heal someone's wrist or whatever it is, there's no boasting in it, because the faith itself that you have that led to the thing that you did was a gift from God in and of itself. And I found that to be humbling, um, but also an important aspect of this gift, that gift, that faith itself is, is a gift. All right, so faith is a spiritual gift from our, our Father in heaven, and it's the faith that can move mountains. So let's go, oh, you're right there. Thank you. Well done. So Paul's referring here to this gift. So this is what Paul's referring to when he writes back in 1 Corinthians. He's referring to something that Jesus said here using this word pistis, which means to believe and to put your faith in, um, in God himself. And there's a situation where this happens. Here's the situation. A dad, okay, if you're a dad, you can relate to this. Their kid was doing something that was terrible, harming themselves. In fact, this was a pretty extreme case. This child was full of a demonic spirit, and the demonic spirit would throw the kid into the fire, and it was constant. The disciples were gathered around. They tried to pray for healing. They couldn't do it, and then Jesus comes over. He casts out the evil spirit really easily, and disciples are like, what in the world? Why couldn't, couldn't we do that? So let's go on and look at the end of the story there. So next, next verse. So this is Matthew 17. The disciples come to Jesus in private and asked him, why couldn't we drive now? Now, let me, let me take a brief note before we get into verse 20. But here's the one piece of Father's Day advice that I would give to myself and to anyone. The best thing that you can do as a father, the one thing that you can do, the more important than any other thing, is what this father ultimately ended up doing, is bringing your children to Jesus. If you are in proximity with them, in personal relationship, they're living in your home, the best thing you can do is personally bring your children to Jesus. Then there's lots of ways to do that. But perhaps you're separated, maybe by age or distance they live, you can still bring your children to Jesus in prayer, even when things seem desperate. Let me tell you that as a father, almost 20 years of being a father, if there's one thing that I would tell myself again and again, go back 18 years ago, is the most important thing you can do as a dad is to bring your children to Jesus. And that's, that's what this guy did right here. There's a father behind this story, and his father's heart dis- displays God's ultimate heart for us. So anyway, this is Jesus' response. Going back to the story, he replied, verse 20, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, so that's the faith that can move mountains that Paul's referring to, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So a mustard, if you've ever seen a mustard seed or eaten mustard, I mean, you really can't, can't really see the seeds. They're so minuscule. 
those, those seeds are so many. Yet, the disciples apparently didn't even have that much of faith. It was so small. And I don't know if you can relate. Like, have you ever been in a situation where your faith is like almost, it's nothing. It's just like these little mustard seeds, like squashed yellow stuff. It is not there. But that's where the disciples were in this situation. He's saying, guys, you don't have any faith. And bottom line, whether we like to believe it or not, no pun intended, one of the reasons we don't see healing often today, we don't see the miraculous, we don't see these breakthroughs that we we're looking for, is that faith, the gift of faith is missing. That, and it's not necessary in every case that this is the situation, but faith has something to do with how God works. For some reason, in the kingdom of God, faith is the currency on which the kingdom of God runs. Faith will release the miraculous, will release the gifts of the Spirit, in their usage. And so Jesus here is making a strong case of being very straightforward about uh, faith being a part of why they couldn't do it, couldn't, you know, cast out this demon. And this isn't a generic faith. It's not like Disney kind of faith. Like if you just believe, like not in anything, you just believe. Like believe what? What are we believing in? It's a very specific kind of faith. And what he's talking about, Jesus here, is a belief that faith is the active faith or belief in the presence of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. That's what the faith that, the, that Jesus talked about and that all the ancients lived through is the active presence of the Spirit of God in our lives. And this is what, what the author of Hebrews talked about. So let's go to the next slide here. Hebrews 12.2. It's why he writes this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. There's one thing we can remember here it is. If you want to grow in faith, fix your eyes on Jesus. Why don't we read this together? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen. You see, Jesus himself is the source of our faith. Jesus himself is the way in which we grow in the gift of faith. And it's our faith, our faith grows in our discipleship and friendship to Jesus himself. That's it. And it's a gift that comes out of a relationship with him that he gives us. Faith comes from hearing the word, as Paul writes in Romans uh, 10, 17, and how the kingdom of God works. So if you want to grow in your gift, in the gift of faith, there are things that you can do. See, get, faith is not a passive thing. There's, there's act, activity in the gift of faith. We can engage and grow by God's grace in what God's doing for us. And now, so I want to give you three thoughts, all starting with the letter A, to make it at least a little bit easier. You probably won't remember it waking up Monday, but maybe you'll remember one of them, uh, hopefully. But here, here we go. So number one, how do we grow in our gift of faith? One, and we've, I'm going to reiterate things we've said before because they're so essential, like core to our, our growth in faith as people of God, and that's this. Number one is to attach yourself to Jesus. In other words, to abide. So let's go to that next slide, please. Abiding in, in Christ. John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so Jesus, what we celebrated is communion today. Jesus, through the, his work on the cross, through his death and resurrection, he opened the gates of heaven and made available to us the kingdom of God through the power of his presence that those who believe in him uh, will not perish but have everlasting life and that everlasting life is the life of the kingdom of god that just starts right here and right now and as we attach ourselves and grow in our relationship with jesus we grow in faith and grow in the giftings that he calls us to 
And it means attaching ourselves to Him and not attaching ourselves to other things, whether that be money or work or success or, you know, building your own empire, whatever it is, those false identities carry us away and we often attach ourselves to those things instead of attaching ourselves to Jesus. So faith starts with attaching yourself to the person of Jesus in our present reality here and today. Okay, number two. So that's kind of baseline. Number two is, you might be obvious, but uh, number two, let's flip to the next verse, please, is this. John 15, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, there's the A word, ask. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Sometimes we're just one prayer away from receiving the gift that God wants to give us. Sometimes we're just one prayer short of seeing that breakthrough that God wants to pour out into our lives. We don't have, James said, because we don't, we don't ask. We don't ask. And when Jesus talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, ask and you will receive. He's, what he's saying is ask and keep asking. Jesus told, said this consistently through, to his disciples. He told, it, he told a parable. He made, it's called the parable of the persistent widow. There's a widow who's seeking justice against an unjust judge. The judge was a terrible person. He didn't care about anybody, especially didn't care about widows. But this widow was so persistent and kept bothering the judge so much, the judge just got so sick of this lady, said, listen, if you just leave me alone, please, for the love of God, would you leave me alone? I'm going to give you what you want, but get away from me. Will you promise to stop bothering me? She's like, yes, thank you very much. And off she goes. And Jesus said that parable, saying and teaching his disciples to persist in praying and to never give up. And if God himself is unlike a just judge, he's a good father, how much more will he give gifts to his children whom he loves so generously? And so we're, we're often missing out because we simply don't ask Jesus like, or God as, like in a healthy father-son relationship. I'll tell you, my, want, my sons, they're really good at asking for things. I, I am shocked. I, they've said, can I, you know, can we go to this amusement park? No, no, you can't go to the amusement park. I'm busy. Can't. And then somehow, like the next day, I end up going to the amusement park. Like, how in the world did that happen? But there's a shameless persistence in the asking that my children just make it so unbearable for me at certain points. I just have to say yes. I don't know how they do it, but there's something in the heart of me as a father that just says, yeah, and God is like that. We just persist and ask and ask and ask, and somehow that knocking is heard on the gates of heaven, and he hears and he answers those, those plea. I want to give you a small example from this week. Okay, so uh, I may have mentioned this before. I don't know. I know in personal relationships, I've mentioned my, my woes. We have this project. So our bath, upstairs bathroom was falling apart. Like the bathroom wall was moldy. The toilet stopped working. The sinks were barely working. I walked in. But the worst thing of all, the bathroom was pink. I could not stand a pink bathroom, those pink bathrooms that they made back in 1974, whenever that was popular. I don't even understand that in of itself. That was wrong. So that era of history could be adjusted. Um, anyway. <laughs> so I went into every, you know, eight years of walking into a pink bathroom. I just could not stand it any longer. So we, we decided this is time to get this done. And, you know, it was kind of half DIY, half hired a guy who's, it's kind of not working for certain reasons, but he has the skills to do it. So he comes, and he works for a couple of days, and I'm really excited, and then he doesn't show up for a week. And I'm like, where are you? He doesn't call me. You know, and then he comes back out of nowhere and works for a couple more days, and then he disappeared for like two weeks. 
And he, I don't know where he went. He, he just disappeared. He doesn't talk. He doesn't have, even have a phone. He barely has a car. And the car that he has is a smashed-in windshield that he kind of looks out the windshield and drives. I don't know how he does it. Anyway, I was at my wit's end. I had called five other contractors. I had contacted people I knew through friends, through family, through internet, through every kind of email, and no one was getting back to me. Absolutely. And I, I just was getting absolutely flabbergasted. And meanwhile, I'm waking up in the middle of the night and walking all the way downstairs when I have to go to the bathroom and getting back. So I'm losing sleep, tearing my hair out. Anyway, you get the idea. So I was like, God, I, at just one point, I just decided I just need to pray about this in faith. Uh, why don't I actually pray and do what Jesus said that I could do? Why I'm, I should know this stuff by now, but apparently I don't. So I just prayed in my journal, God, would you please, like, I need some help here. Would you please help? And then, no joke, I, I think it was two days later, I got five calls in the same day from five different contractors, and then the guy showed up. There we were, and off we went to the races, and now I don't have to walk down three, two flights of step in order to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Thanks be to God. And that things are continuing on. But how often is it that in our own lives, we, it's, we don't even have enough faith to actually pray? And sometimes the faith that's a mustard seed is just the faith to pray. And it's maybe just the little extra mustard seed to pray the second time or the third time or the fourth time. And we persist and we persist and we persist in prayer, not seeing any answer, because we believe, we have faith, the gift that God gives us that he will answer, that he will respond. You see, if we did see an answer, you know what you would not need? You won't need faith. That's why faith is not needed in heaven. He talks about, Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 13. These, these remain faith, hope, and love. Uh, but you don't need faith in heaven because you see everything. And you don't, if everything seems desperate, that's the time you need faith. You don't need faith when things are going great. Because things are going the way you need to. It's in these desperate times. And we, we, we look at what God wants us to do. Go to that next verse, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith enables us, what faith enables us to do is to keep going, keep asking, even when we don't see the answer coming. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Let's read this one together. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So let me encourage you again. You may have heard this before. Don't just stop praying for something after you pray for one time. Keep going. Do not give up. Be like that persistent widow that in faith, keep knocking. And guess what? Because faith is a gift, if you don't have faith for something, you know what you can do? Letter A, you can ask for the faith. You can ask. You could either ask for it or you could, there's a letter B, kind of side bonus material, B for bonus, but B is to borrow borrow faith from one of your friends or fam family members in Christ, like your wife or your friend or your husband or whoever it might be, you can ask for that faith and God can give it to you. So I'd encourage you, if you were, for instance, in prayer ministry and you pray for someone, one of the common practices I have, if I'm not feeling faith to pray for it, the first thing I do before I pray for the thing is I pray for faith, is to release faith. So pray, when you're praying for something, ask God for the faith to actually pray or the faith to actually do the courageous deed that God's calling you to do because we can ask for it. And he'll, he'll give us that as a gift. Sometimes it might take years, like you know, persisting in planting a church or trying to see you have a vision that God has given you for what the church should be. 
there's persistence, and I'm still praying things that are yet to come, but I'm going to keep praying, and I'm going to keep praying till the day I die, because I have faith. God gave me the faith that there are certain things He wants to do in us and through us as a community or as a church um, that, that haven't come to pass yet. And you, in your life, I'm sure, I'm certain, there are things that you have yet to see, but that God wants to give you the gift of faith to persevere in. And what I want to do today as we, as we get ready to close is I want to give you an opportunity to practice that gift of faith every day. But before we do, I want to just close with, with one of the best. Um, let's go into the next slide. The last part, one of the best chapters in the Bible that Jesus talks about. And the final A, the third A, is we need to activate the gift of faith. In other words, it's not just passive. See, Jesus said there, you're my friends if you do if you do what I command. Hebrews 11, if you want to read about the gift of faith in action, activated in the lives of the heroes of faith, read, and as we, as we close, I want to share with you a few excerpts from Hebrews chapter 11. And you remember, if you've read your scriptures, if you've read this, the Bible, you see tremendous gifts of faith at work. And that's why in the vineyard we spell, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. That means because we take those steps of faith, believing in God despite not seeing it. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed by God's command. By faith, Abel brought, a, uh, brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, when warned about things to come, Noah built an ark to save his family. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, believing that God would raise Isaac from the dead. By faith, Isaac blessed his children, Jacob and Esau, in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, he blessed each of Joseph's sons. And by faith, when the end was near, he prophesied about the exodus. By faith, Moses' parents put baby Moses in a basket for three months, hid him for three months, because they, they knew that he was no ordinary boy and they were not afraid of the king. By faith, Moses himself chose to be mistreated along with God's people because he knew there was something greater that God had for him rather than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. By faith, Moses left Egypt, kept the Passover. By faith, God's people passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the people of God surrounded and walked around the walls of Jericho seven times before they fell. By faith, the prophets and the forefathers conquered kingdoms. They administered justice. They shut the mouths of lions. They escaped the sword. And by faith, God's people faced jeers, flogging, prison, and death. And by faith, my friends, we too believe and understand that the world was created by the command of God. By faith, we too, like Abel, we give the first and the best of our offerings of God, of more than 10% of our income, trusting He will provide everything we need. By faith, we embrace what Jesus commanded us to do, to baptize, to make disciples, to plant churches. We, we do what Jesus called us to do, to care for the poor. By faith, we are, we are generous with one another. By faith, we speak words of prophecy and encouragement to one another, believing that God still speaks today. By faith, we pray for the sick. By faith, we pray for healing. By faith, we release words of encouragement when each of us are feeling discouraged. By faith, in the face of death, we believe that Jesus will bring life. 
by faith, we understand that when we are fallen in the ashes, that God can make something beautiful. By faith, as parents, when we're facing difficulty and pain, when we see our children turning away from God or being thrown into the proverbial fires, by faith, we turn to Jesus and we bring our children to Jesus. By faith, we bless those who curse us. By faith, we prophesy God's words of encouragement to not only the folks in our own church, but to those who are lost and suffering in a dark world. By faith, we turn away from the deadly sins of our world and confess our sins to one another. And by faith, we don't live according to our feelings, but according to God's word. And finally, my friends, by faith, we abide, we ask, and we activate our spiritual gifts. And that's what we will do now. Let's take a moment to pray. And what I would like you to do is, is this. This is going to be a personal between you and God. And this week, I'd like you to share it with someone. But at your tables, we, we like to make use of index cards. There are pens and there's a colored index card. And what I want you to do is I want to ask you this question. What is the one thing that you need faith, supernatural faith from God, in order to do or to keep praying that you want to keep before you and persist in prayer until you see God answer that prayer. Okay, what is that one thing that God has put on your heart? And so I'm going to pray and I'm going to give you a chance to just meditate on God's word, what he's saying to you and what he wants to release by faith. And I'm going to ask for a supernatural release right now as we do that. I'd like you to write that down. I want to give you a couple minutes just to write down one thing and we'll do that by, by the grace of God. So Holy Spirit, thank you for the gift of faith that you, you desire to give and that you are giving us right now. Release faith, God. In Jesus' name, release faith over everyone hearing these words today. Show us what you are asking us to, to persevere in, to pray for, or to rest in as your call to live the supernatural life that you want. So, God, we do ask that this week, as we abide in you and ask in you, that, that our faith would grow, that you would give us the gift of faith to believe your word and what you have spoken to us, and not just see the external circumstances, but to see as you see. Give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation today and this year of our lives as we pursue more of you and more of the gifts of the Spirit.